We are probably almost halfway through our series on being church. In a week or two, we're going to do a bit of a gear shift in this series, and we're going to start looking at the Holy Spirit, because all the things that we've talked about up to this point, doing life together, caring for one another, everything that allows us to be the church requires the Holy Spirit in us. And so we're, going, we're kind of doing it backwards, but it's going to be a mini-series within a series on the Holy Spirit. And so you can look forward to that. Today we're talking about doing life together, which is kind of a weird buzzword or catchphrase these days. What do we mean when we say that we're doing life together? It certainly means more than just spending time together. It means more than going downstairs after church and drinking a cup of coffee and talking about your crops. It's more than seeing each other in the grocery store. It's about depending on one another, needing one another, wanting one another in your life. And we can see in Scripture that Christians in the New Testament church started by being in each other's lives. When you look at Acts chapter 2, starting at verse 42, this is what we see. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. And so, even just in the beginning here, we see what their foundation was. The foundation was on the apostles' teaching. They didn't have the written out Bible as we do, but they had the teaching of the apostles. We talked about that a few weeks ago, how that was similar to what we have in, in, in the Gospels. It was the account of Jesus and his teachings and his ministry. But they didn't just focus on the teaching. It wasn't like a university class, but it was the apostles' teaching and a fellowship. In other words, they spent time together. They cared for one another. They loved one another. To the breaking of bread, they had meals together and to prayer. The next part here, they sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. Every day. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. So we can, we can see just even in this passage, there's, there was a, a financial aspect to it. It wasn't simply a relational aspect, but, but that people would sell property and possessions if someone had need. That is extreme intentional relationship. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. This wasn't a Saturday or a Sunday. This was constant and it wasn't just that they went to church. It wasn't that they just went to temple. But then they broke bread in their homes and they ate together with sincere hearts. 
praising God and enjoying the favor of all people. And when this happens, look what happened. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. I want to suggest to you today that what we see in Scripture, it's narrative, okay? So it's it's a description of what was happening. It's not written in command, although we'll look at some of those uh, a little bit later. But in Acts 2, what we see is a narrative, a description of what the early church started off doing. They spent time together. They spent a lot of time together, daily. They were immersed in learning about, how do I follow Jesus? But they were doing that together. They were doing that together. Because if you, if you try to learn, how do I follow Jesus on my own? It's really easy to interpret what I read the way I want it to sound. But if I am interpreting scripture with a community of people, if I start to say, well, you know, I, I think this, this teaching of Jesus tells me that I can just exploit my, my workers, there's going to be a whole lot of people who say, hold on a second, you're reading that wrong. You're interpreting that. that that's not what Jesus was meaning at all. Jesus was meaning that you need to love and care for and sacrifice for individuals. So we need community. We need community to learn how do we follow Jesus. But more than that, we need community because the church is made of people from different backgrounds, different economic statuses, different social statuses, different lifestyles. And we're better when we're together. I believe that we're called to do life together. And we're going to look at some scriptures in a minute. But before we look at the scriptures, I want to just start off with sharing why do we hesitate? Why do we hesitate to be like the early church? Like when I read Acts chapter 2, I think, wow. That's a little extreme. That's hard. I don't know if I want to do that. I'm happy with coffee time, but other than that, I'm going to leave you guys at arm's length, and you'll leave me at arm's length, and we'll just be like, smile at each other when we go through Sobeys. But we're called to more than that. And so why is it difficult for us to let people into our lives Why is it difficult for us to invest in other people's lives? I want to share with you three potential reasons why people find this difficult. And they definitely overlap. Number one, I think pride plays a major role in why we don't want to allow people into our lives. I don't want people to see that I'm not perfect. I want people to see the veneer that I put on, that's smiling all the time, that's happy all the time. And I don't want people to know that I have struggles. I don't want people to see that I'm weak. I don't want people to see anything other than the perfect little smiling face that I put forth. But if I invite someone into my life, If I allow someone to invest and to ask me, how are you really doing? 
if I allow myself to be honest with that person, the answer might not always be, good, how are you? My guess is that if someone asked you, how are you doing, really, your answer wouldn't always be, good, how are you? And so pride is a barrier for allowing people into your life. I know it's been a barrier for me. Number two, the messiness of your life. Now, there are layers to this. One of the layers could be, I don't want to allow someone into my life because if I invite someone into my home for a meal, my house is a mess. You got like a minefield of Lego that they have to like precariously crawl over. You got dirty diapers and a bin over here. You got all this kind of stuff. Our homes might be messy. You might not be a neat and tidy person. And when you don't let anyone else into your life, you don't care about that, right? Some of you have grown kids who you have to call before you go there because they have to have time to tidy up before mom gets here, right? But the mess in our lives is more than just physical. The mess in our lives could be the spiritual messiness of our lives. The fact that I have sin in my life, that you have sin in your life, that we don't follow Jesus perfectly every day. And if I'm willing to open my life up to someone, they might see that I don't have it all together. They might see that I still have struggles with sin, that you still have struggles with sin. And it's much easier to leave people at arm's length than to allow them in. Because then they don't have to see the mess. Number three, very similar. The fear of being judged. The fear of being judged. If I let someone into my life, if I take the step of faith and I allow someone to see me the way I truly am, not the veneer that I put up, if I allow someone to ask me those hard questions and if I allow myself to be honest with them, Will they judge me? One of the biggest complaints and criticisms of the church, Big C Church, or of Christians, is that we're judgmental. One of the biggest things that you'll hear from people on the street is that those Christians are just so judgmental. And I hope that's that's not actually true. But some of us have grown up in cultures and in Christian cultures where we've been allowed to be judgy. In fact, we've actually been encouraged to be judgmental. And I hope that any of us who have grown up in that type of a a situation have started to break out of that and to realize that's an issue with us, not with the world. But there's a fear of being judged. Am I going to allow you to speak into my life if I think that what you're going to speak into my life is judgment and condemnation? Are you going to allow me to invest in your life 
if you think that I'm going to tell you all the faults that I see with you? Probably not. And so it's, it's a challenge, isn't it? It's a challenge for us to break through these barriers. The barrier of a messy life, the barrier of pride, and the barrier of fear. And to actually allow someone to come into our life. But I want to encourage you with this. If you can breach those barriers, if you can cross the minefield of hesitation, you can actually get to a spot of true community with others. And when you get to a spot with true community with others, something beautiful happens. You stop being an independent I. And you start being a we. You go from independence, which the world really promotes, the world really values, past dependence into interdependence. This is what the Bible invites us to be part of. Moving from independence to interdependence. Galatians 6 says this. Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. My guess is that there are some people who are lonely, maybe even in this congregation, definitely that you know. My guess is there are people who are struggling with sin. Definitely that you know, maybe even within this congregation. My guess is that there are people who are struggling with mental health issues, who are struggling with addictions, who are struggling with broken or, at the very least, strained relationships in their lives. And people, we need one another. We need one another to bear one another's burdens. We need one another to care for one another well. We need one another to speak truth into our lives. I need you to speak truth in my life, and you need me to speak truth into your life. Paul writes about this need for one another in the book of Romans, chapter 12. This is what he says. It's about Christ followers. Love must be sincere. I'm actually just going to stop there for a second. Don't invest in someone's life if you think that it's like a project for you. Don't invest in someone's life because Pastor Brian told you to. Invest in someone's life because you love them and because you want the best for them. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourself. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor, serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. What does this look like? What would it look like to do life together? What would it look like to invest in someone's life? 
please hear me, I'm not saying that you need to like look across this church and say, okay, I need to invest in the 70 people who are here today. You can't do that. You don't need to do that. But are there people in your life that you can invest in? Are there people in your life that you can allow into your life? And if so, how can you do that? Here are a couple of ideas. Number one, eat together. Invite someone into your home. Or if you have like a messy home and you would be like, like a year's worth of planning would not allow me to clean up in time. And that's okay. But if, if your home, for whatever reason, just isn't a comfortable spot to get to know someone, then take food to them. Or say, hey, join me at a restaurant. But eat together. It's amazing when you sit down at a meal, the conversation that starts to happen. And if you're intentional about it, The conversation might start with, how's the weather going? But you can start to ask some deeper questions. How are your kids? What are you thinking about for your future? How's the job going? What gives you joy? Getting to know people over a meal. There's a reason why when we look in the New Testament, the disciples, the apostles, started by breaking bread together in homes. There's something about eating together that is incredibly deeply spiritual. We're not going to get into that, but recognize that there's something important about eating together. Total tangent, but if you're a family that is so busy that you don't sit down to eat together, start doing life together as a family. Before you can invest in someone else, Invest in the people that God has like birthed into your life. That God has covenanted with you to in marriage. Those are important people to do life together with. And then to go from there. Number two. Serve each other. Serve each other. Downstairs when we have coffee time. Listen to one another. Listen when someone says, you know what? This has been a hard week. Or, you know, my childcare fell through for an event that I wanted to go to, and that's really frustrating. Listen to that person, and then think, is there some way that I can serve them? Is there something that I can do? Is there a skill that I have that I can serve them? Maybe it's making a meal, and if you're someone who doesn't make meals, maybe it's finding childcare. Maybe it is helping them around the house with a project. There are a few people in this congregation who have been wonderful to each other for going in with a skilled trade and saying, hey, I can help your electrical situation at your house so that your house doesn't burn down. Like, that's significantly important. I had someone uh, come and help me lay flooring and save me money uh, on labor because I just didn't have the skills to do that. Serve one another. And be creative in how you might be able to serve. And if you're sitting here today and you go, well, I, I don't have anything that I can serve with, you're lying to yourself. You do. 
Maybe you bake like the best lemon meringue pies, and that's a secret that you haven't told anyone. First of all, you should never have a secret like that because like, you should just be sharing that with everyone. But more importantly, like, figure out what is it that I, I'm good at that I can serve someone in and then do it. Do it well. Number three, get to know each other on a deeper level. And again, take those conversations past the how's the weather and really ask people, how are you doing? One of the things that I've started to be conscious of is to not ask someone how they're doing, either if I don't care or if I don't have time to hear how they're actually doing. So if you and I meet and we're at Sobeys and I'm like going like mad because I'm doing like the amazing race style like like grocery shop and I just say, hey, and I don't ask you how you're doing, it's probably because I have like two or three kids in the cart or like my wife at home who really needed the broccoli and I have to like get out. Because I don't want to just say, hey, how's it going? See you later. I want to actually know, how are you doing? Sometimes, and I have friends who, who do this with me, they'll say, so Brian, how are you doing? And by instinct, I'll be like, good. And they'll say, no, 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 Brian, how are you really doing? And it makes you have to pause and go, hmm, how am I really doing? And many times it's, no, I'm, I'm doing pretty good, you know? And, and then you get into what's going on in your life. And sometimes it's, well, actually, it's been a really junky week. And if they're willing to hear it, I can share what's made my week hard. And they don't carry that, but they help me to unload it. Lastly, pray. Pray with each other. One of the reasons why we have growth groups is to have intentional times to pray with one another. And those of you who have been involved in those growth groups, that intentional time of prayer before or after is so significant. You study and it's good, but then you also hear, how is everyone doing and how can we pray for you this week? And those who are willing to share are really benefited when someone prays for you. Two more quick things, and then we'll wrap up. There are some people in this congregation who would be like me, who are introverts, who are probably going at this moment, Brian, I saw the title Doing Life Together, and I immediately started hyperventilating. Everything that you're saying sounds incredibly scary and life-draining. So how do I do life together as an introvert? The people who were like meeting together in houses and breaking bread together, the people that we read about in Acts 2, I am confident we're not all extreme extroverts. So how do we do life together if the last thing you'd want to do is to do life together. Here are some suggestions. Focus on building connections or relationships with one or two people max. 
not the whole church, not a large group of people, but focus on one or two people that you sincerely want to love and to get to know. And then when you see those people, instead of having the surface level conversations, go deep with that one or two people. One of the things, especially for introverts, that's really hard is like a coffee time or a shared meal. And we do coffee times and shared meals incredibly intentionally here at Chalmers because we want people to be connecting with each other and to be getting to know one another. And I think that's a really significant time. But if you go downstairs and have coffee and like feel like you have to kind of be like a bee going around to all the different flowers and talking to like 10 or 11 people, that's incredibly draining. And if you're an introvert, that's incredibly draining. If you're an extrovert, you might be like, I love all these people. This is amazing. I don't actually know what extroverts feel like. <laughs> but I picture it's kind of like that. But as an introvert, instead of staying on the surface level going all around people, kind of like find someone, maybe who's an introvert as well, and say, okay, how are you really doing? And let's have like an actual conversation. And if you see someone downstairs, and you're an extrovert, especially if you're an extrovert, and you see someone downstairs who's in like a deep conversation, if like two people are talking and one of them's like crying, don't go over to them and be like, hey, did you see the baseball game last week? Because they're probably in a doing life together conversation. And that's awesome. The second thing for extroverts, uh, sorry, for introverts is this. Everything that, that we've said before, eating together, serving each other, all that kind of stuff, is still incredibly valid. But for introverts, you need to have your boundaries in place. And so invite someone over for a meal or for a games night or something, but with a specific time frame. Hey, why don't you come over to my house from like 7 to 8.30? So that when it's 8.30 and you're like, I've had way more people than I need... You can be like, yeah, I'm going to kick you out because I told you, 7 to 8.30. <laughs> Heather and I sometimes have to do this because we're like, we're both introverts, but we also go to bed at like 8 o'clock because our kids get up so early. But set boundaries that still allow you to speak into people's lives, invite people into your life, but also give you the space that you need. The last thing I want to say is this. I ran into someone who was trying to do life together, was trying to embrace this idea of investing in people and having them invest in in her. But the way she did it was a little off. She kind of jumped in with two feet, and instead of looking around and thinking, who is a safe person, just started sharing like incredibly deep, private stuff with anyone. And then when people kind of gave her a like weird look and just wanted to talk surface level, she was like, ooh, I don't think I want to do life with people because it feels really imbalanced. What this person didn't realize is that there are safe people and then there are not so safe people. 
There are people that you build a relationship with. And because you've built a relationship with, there is a safety there. And you can actually tell them how you're doing. And you can actually share your struggles with them. And you can actually be real. And then there are people, and I don't know, if, maybe this is, is you. There are people in this world, probably even in this church, that just want to talk about the local sports team. And that's it. Just want to keep the conversation about the crops, and that's it. Don't want to invest in others, and definitely don't want others to invest in them. That is not the person to bear your soul to. And so I want to encourage you to do life together, to build relationships with each other, but to be thoughtful and prayerful about who I should share with, what I should share, how and the timing that I should share, so that you're not burned, and so that there is a healthy relationship already built up. It's so important to invest in each other's lives. And I hope that as you continue to invest in each other's lives, and I know that many of you already are, that we can together be those safe people for each other. We can together be people who we can let our hair down and say, this is who I am. And I invite you to love me as I am. I invite you to care for me as I am. And I'll do the same to you. And when you're with that person, you don't have to put on the veneer. And you can actually love each other well. Let's pray. Father God, Father, I'm, as, as you know, I'm an introvert. And I would much rather just do the whole me and Jesus thing. But Lord, I am convinced that you call us as a church, to be the church for one another, to love each other, to be vulnerable with each other. And Lord, I just confess that's hard. I think many of us feel that way. And so Lord, I just pray right now that you would help us to love each other well. That you would help us to be real with one another and to invest in one another's lives. Lord, help us to intentionally connect with one another. And as we do so, may we be encouraged by one another to follow you more. May your Holy Spirit in us spur one another on towards love and good deeds. Thank you, Lord. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.